Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Okay, and we're live. Guys, welcome back to the audio experience brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Um, today, I am sitting down with actually a good friend of mine, not only a giant knowledge in the uh, topic that we're going to talk about, but just a great friend of ours and uh, a guy you've, I think, probably seen on our show a couple different times. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. So, Chasing Moby. Why didn't you call it Finding Moby? Would that have been a... Well, we weren't really good at... You're, cha- you're still yeah, chasing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're still kind of in that boat. I mean, if you anyway, save Jay- save- Sage Davis from uh, Chasing Moby is with me. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of all things reloading. Oh, shoot. Reloading. Yeah, okay. I-, I told you to study up. Remember, yeah. remember before? Remember before I, this? I remember that. No. Yeah. Um, so, it's been actually kind of a cool little... Uh, topic that we've got on a couple mm-hmm. different times, like at the Portland Sports Show and stuff. Um, Sage came up there with us, and and I, I didn't honestly know all your knowledge in the in the topic until we actually talked for a while. And I was like, oh my goodness! And you were teaching Trevor some stuff, and Trevor's pretty versed, I would say. You know, he does he does, he holds his own in the in the uh, in all things guns, mm-hmm. I would say. And so, as the viewer, the listener uh, may know from YouTube or whatever, Instagram or whatever, we've actually gotten pretty deep into guns lately. Right. And doing that side of things. And so, I think you can't really talk too much about guns without going diving deep in just about everything guns. The one thing I do notice is like you post something about guns and Everybody's got an opinion on it, right? Yes, yes, especially in the reloading world. Uh, long-range <laughs> shooting, long-range hunting, reloading world. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a dynamic group of individuals. Well, that's why I got you, so everybody can throw the daggers Perfect. at you. Perfect, let's See? go. This well, is so much easier. Let me preface this with I am uh, I'm by no means a professional. I did not go to school for this. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just some gleaned knowledge over the years. And I do have... Uh, the privilege of knowing some people who are much, much smarter than me and, you know, which really helped not having to start at kind of square one. Sure. And I would still not say uh, I'm anybody in this topic at all. Uh, it's just something I do and uh, I love it. And hopefully someday I'll be, I'll be the professional, but you do, you do reload for a lot of people though, don't you? Uh, just friends of mine. Yeah. yeah. Just friends of mine. Apparently I'm not, not a friend not quite yet. We're, get, we're getting mean, closer. Yeah. We're getting closer. You, you didn't ask. You didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to use all your bullets and yeah, your powder that's fine. That's and your fine. casings too. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That happens yeah. more often than not. So Does it? perfect. Yeah. Does it? Let's go. No. So, so let's just start out simply. Why, why do we, why should we reload? Why? What's um, the, you know, for, for me, it started out, uh, I got a 243 from a, a friend of mine when I was really young mm-hmm. and I put a quarter on a target and I was trying to sight in the gun. Okay. And I realized that I could not hit that quarter. It had nothing to do with where I, I put the crosshairs. Like the group size was too big. And I thought, I thought, you know, from the movies, where, you're, where you put these crosshairs, like that's just where it goes. Where it's supposed to but hit. But no, it turns out, no, that's, that's not, not the case. case at all. No. So uh, just trying to be as accurate as possible and realizing that um, the equipment I had wasn't getting me there. So gotcha. um, trying to figure out what I could do to kind of mitigate that and, and uh, it hasn't been, I'd say 2015 is when I really started diving into um, guns and accuracy and, and trying to stretch out our effective range. And if you have a gun that shoots terribly at 100 yards, guess what it does at 500 yards? Tight groups. Super tight. Yeah, you're, Super you're tight dialed. <laughs> There's certain things called a minute, uh, two minutes, yeah. five minutes. A half hour. Half that's, hour. Yeah, it's a half hour rifle at, at 500 yards. Yeah, so that's kind of why. And then uh, getting into you know spring bear hunting and things like that and kind of falling back into um, needing a gun to shoot well. You know, Actually going after an animal with a rifle beyond just shooting for fun. 
Because um, you didn't grow up, because from what I know of you, it's mostly been bow. Yeah, bow mostly. Hunting. So I started early on with rifle, you know, in high school and things like that yep. with a couple friends, uh, family. Like I've been on a podcast before that uh, I talked about it. We didn't really grow up hunting at all. Mm-hmm. So kind of had some friends get me into hunting. And it was rifle right out the gate because nobody I knew bow hunted or anything gotcha. like that. And, you know, guns are it's a gun you know how could a bow possibly be better than a gun when you're a kid thinking about it you know you're not wrong and then uh i transitioned into bow hunting around 2007 okay and i was real consistent uh just chasing animals with a bow until uh, right at that like 2015 mark chasing I, i decided you know there's nothing going on at the beginning of the year uh spring bear i guess is a thing maybe i'll give it a go and that kind of spark the whole long range rifle hunting or, or precision reloading thing. Off topic, but would you agree that spring bear hunting has actually become a real thing here in the last uh, two, three years? It blows my mind. I, you know, I mean, we originally, uh, we would spear fish and chase around, you know, deer and elk with our bows. Sure. And we're thinking that that's gonna be kind of the most, um, the thing people want to see the most and we actually got known for for bear hunting of all things which we thought was yeah. like a supplemental you know kind of in between thing right. and uh next thing i know we're known as bear hunters and i thought we're not we're not bear hunters that's not <laughs> you know and then people i mean not that we had any you know hand in turning the tides or anything like that but right. it just started getting more and more popular and those videos started getting more more and more popular and now spring bear see i didn't even get a tag this year I, I tried, but you, there's not enough tags. I, I, so I felt so, bad for you. I was, oh, I was standing right beside you when you were balling. You were so yes. <laughs> so I happened to open up my app, standing next to uh, Mr. Trent, and I found out that I did not get a spring bear tag. And I got real quiet for a little bit. Yeah, I you, thought I hid my tears, but you did not. He, you did not. Evidently, he saw them. So it's crazy. Though it's yeah. just nuts to me. Like something that it seems like there's so you know in places there's a lot of them, and it's like. Well, I wow. think I think OD, ODFW did me a favor. Yeah, they did. I I have spent. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's it's a sickness. It is. Too. I spent so many spring bear seasons hunting every available day, oh. after work, before work, every weekend. I remember talking to you last year, and we're both like, we're not seeing anything. Yep. Why? You yep. know? Yeah. Was, yeah oh, but man. it's just, yeah. I like. I told my wife, I was like, if I don't get a tag this year, it's meant to be because I am tired. Yeah. I am. We have chased bears yeah. so much and it's so fun it's addicting it but is when spring bear season is over it's just like you just want to sink into the couch for like four days and just not do anything and then go back out and then you're so sad spring bear season's yeah. over yeah. it's like elk a little bit i mean yeah. bear season, bear's fun they are super fun to hunt and i don't hunt them that often my personally mm-hmm. but just taking people and yeah. kids and everybody it's just it's just a it's just a fun time but i don't want to get too off topic here back to reloading so we, um, for accuracy, mm. is that uh, pretty much? Accuracy, yep, consistency and accuracy. I mean, if you can't, uh, if you don't have the the faith in the round to do what it, you think it should do, yeah. uh, then you shouldn't be shooting stuff far away. So uh, kind of due diligence in that whole long range thing. So uh, you're increasing, yep, yeah. As well. Uh, I think so, I think so. I think if you're going to be somebody who is um, actively pursuing animals at long range, I think that is a, it's a very good idea to um, be able to control what goes into that cartridge yourself because you know lot to lot company to company uh, rounds can change Mm -hmm. and I mean even you grab two boxes and they they the velocities are different or something like that you know yeah not saying it won't work but you're you're um, stacking the odds in your favor if you're doing it yourself if you're going out and collecting the data and uh, doing it yourself. So I do think it, it, it definitely is more ethical um, if you have the time into that load and yeah. you know the data and and that's what makes these these long shots or these longer shots um, you know, realistic and moral in my mind. Well, uh, it's a confidence booster, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, I think as far as what you're trying to get at, yeah. it's just, man, if I can gain confidence and I know I can make that mm-hmm. 650 yard shot. Yeah. You know. Well, you and again, I'm not, Two I'm miles, not, right? Uh, yeah, seven miles. Seven my, my miles, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not the guy. I'm just a guy. Like this is just what I do. It, it's yeah. it's fun. Um, like I have no published 
papers, you know, about, about, <laughs> about reloading it. Oh, man. I was going to recommend you, your if book. You'd, if you'd have grabbed, you know, half of my friends, they'd probably be better at this than, than me. But um, just like the, the DOPE, for instance, that, you know, what's okay. the DOPE? DOPE stands for data on previous engagement. So basically everything in and around shooting long range um, points back to um, something you've written down, you know, doing it before, having data to fall back on. I didn't even know that. Yeah. So, so that's you, you, data on previous, yeah. So that's data on previous engagement. Basically, you've gone out, you've built the load, you know what it shoots at 100 yards, you've got your zero, and then you stretch it out, you know, you know, the, the temperature and everything. You, you hold everything. I, I have a couple notebooks I write everything down in. Okay. And basically, it gives you confidence to shoot something far away. And I, I feel like... Um, a lot of the controversy over you know long range rifle hunting and long range that's pretty subjective. Yeah, uh, you know it, it depends on the group or, or the people or whatever. It's, we could turn, we could go down a giant. Yes, rabbit and hole I'm not trying that. to do that at all. Hey, like again, I'm not the guy. But, sure, but I feel like having that data, having gone out and and verified and validated, and you know what it shoots because you've shot it. You know because you've been out doing the thing. You know yep. that you're you're now doing. Um, that's what makes it it work in my mind. That's what makes it. Um, that's what gives you the confidence. So 100 percent, and and that suit just the, the what I've gotten into more on the gun side of things mm -hmm. and and shooting and stuff. And I haven't dove too deep into the reloading side of things just because I want to. I don't know. I've kind of got my my walk before I can crawl or crawl before I can walk or whatever. As far as kind of I want to get really really comfortable with guns first and I, I'm right. not at the point where it's just like um, and, and I don't I don't know if that's the word is I'm not at that point but at the same time it's like man there's a lot that goes into this reloading thing I mean I've I did a shooting couple shooting competitions last year and just talking with these guys and what they do like I, I was just flabbergasted like as far as I mean they're gonna wait for the barometric pressure to even reload for I mean certainly oh, really? humidity oh, yeah they're doing like humidity tests when they reload wow so it was just like what you're doing you know and they're like oh no it's consistency and like I'm over here just like trying to find uh, this is how far I've gotten right now okay. as far as lots <laughs> of ammo hear. right yeah so getting from the same lot yeah that's a yeah. real thing. I learned lot numbers. Yeah. In well, buying it, ammo. It wasn't, it wasn't so long ago for me either with the whole you know lot what I mean? number thing. Oh, absolutely. So for it's like, sure. Yeah. Like, I can shoot all the same lot. And so I, so what that is to people that are listening is a box of shells comes in 20 and there's a lot number on it. So if you can get the same number from that shipment, so like that lot of shells that was produced at that time, then they're going to be, well, anyway, they're not necessarily going to be, but... More consistent. More consistent they're possibility. They're at least made at the same time. At least they're all made at the same right. time. Right, and, yeah. and in the same place. Correct. So same time, same place. So you have better odds of them shooting the same. And like, I mean, the stuff you guys shoot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very good factory loaded ammunition out there. So I'm, yeah, I'm not great. saying that's a bad choice at all. Right. I'm just right. saying if you want a little bit more control, yes. you know, but it, it even goes into individual components, you know, with uh, primers and powder and, and, um, uh, brass and bullets if you can get the same lot of each and you can do the same exact process consistency is accuracy my, I, I'm not gonna my neighbor who is our actual gunsmith which is why I know anything <laughs> oh he's your neighbor yeah yeah oh, he's cool. my neighbor. he lives uh, two doors down from me he that's not terrible tear in the arms no uh, he's uh, he's got some insight as to what makes a firearm accurate and uh, consistency is accuracy just in all aspects if you can be as consistent as humanly possible with everything be it uh, neck tension, uh, seating depth, um, annealing brass, uh, any tolerance that you can control, controlling that consistency is accuracy. Accuracy. So, yeah. So let's walk us through it right now. Okay. Just to dumb us down. I'm talking, we're talking, eh, not kindergarten, but let's go third grade level okay. here. All right. I've got my new 30-06, okay? Mm -hmm. Just bought it from the store. Mm -hmm. And anyway, what do I need to do? What is the steps that you're going to take? Um... Well, and herein lies all of the nuance and most of the arguments directed my way after this podcast. Sweet. <laughs> That's why I put you in the crosshairs. Good, good. No, I'm just kidding. Good. Uh, well, it really depends on what you want to do. I mean, if, you, if you're the guy who shoots, you know, offhand 100 yards or so, 
um, you, you still hunt through the woods, things like that. Uh, your margin, your, your accuracy level doesn't need to be near that, a guy that's shooting, you know, a thousand yards or something like that. And it's also going to come into uh, play what type of projectile you want to shoot. Mm -hmm. So if you want to shoot something fast, if you're not, if you're not ranging something and spinning on a turret, uh, you're, you're wanting to shoot a, a faster projectile, um, then you need to probably go lower in weight of the projectile. So the uh, grains of the bullet yeah, the need to be small. Grains of the bullet. And, and oftentimes the higher in grains you go, the better the, the BC, the ballistic coefficient of the bullet. So you end up with a better long range uh, projectile, but that you know zero to 300 yards or zero to 500 yards for the guy that's not ranging and, and spinning on a turret, it kind of doesn't make sense for him. I mean, he's gonna hold a little high at, at 200 yards or something like that. You don't need some you know, rocket ship missile. Okay. So uh, right off the bat, you're going to, you're going to ask the person right off the bat, yeah. Hey, what are you going to use it for? Exactly. What, yep. what are you looking to do here? If I want hunting the timber with a, with a, you know, three power scope on right. hunting the West, you know, the, on the coast or whatever for Roosevelt's mm -hmm. with my ot six, you're going to probably recommend. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, so like, a well, here's, here's some more controversy. This should be good. Yeah. Uh, Nosler Acubons, things like that. Things like dedicated hunting rounds that have been around for a long time that have, you know, proven, you know, this works good. Sure. They always work good. Um, the thing that they don't have is that long range shape. Yeah. You know, they don't have the, the long slender boat tail hollow point or tipped or, you know, well, actually they are tipped, but, sure. um, they don't have the, the shape to shoot long range, uh, as well, but they have excellent, uh, stopping power, things like that. So there's a lot of rounds like that that are probably gonna be better for guys who aren't shooting long range because it, it may have a better impact on the animal at closer range anyway. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend something like that. I mean, you don't need to go into like the, the burger elite hunter, you know, heavy for caliber, right. stuff like that. Uh, another thing that plays into this whole situation, those elite cartridges, or excuse me, uh, uh, projectiles, a lot harder to find, a lot more expensive. Mm. Um, not going to make a big enough difference for a guy hunting that way, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, not going to make a big enough difference. So you're kind of um, just spending more money and time than you need. I mean, if you're shooting, you know, zero to two or three hundred yards, whatever puts the animal down the quickest. Uh, that's kind of your your. So I got another question for you. Mm -hmm. Say, say you are that brush hunter. Say mm -hmm. you are that timber hunter that's just going to go with his hot six or whatever bigger caliber uh, gun and uh, still hunt the timber. Your sh longest shots usually what around here, 150 yards. Yeah. You know, are you going to even reload for that gun, or are you are you going to are you just going to go? You know, I can use factory ammo and do just as good at 150 yards. I think personally, for that specific application, that guy could go down. Uh, get a box of shells or two boxes of shells, go zero his rifle, figure out where it shoots. I think he would be just fine um, gotcha. not reloading. Typically, you know, you're, you're, it's within reason. Your, your groups, if you're especially shooting offhand, something like that, it's not exactly, you know, precision right. bench rest shooting. There's a lot of human error involved anyway at that point. True. I would think that guy would do just fine. And that's what most people have done since the you know beginning of all of this invention of the rifle yep and that's that's uh that just comes down to practice and it's you and your gun making it happen so um i wouldn't i wouldn't say that that guy uh should be nearly as concerned as the guy who wants to you know reach out to five six hundred a thousand yards okay. seven million yards <laughs> that, that guy's gonna have to really put in some work time and effort and control as many variables as he can the guy shooting 150 yards yeah you know core locks are fine uh, in in my opinion gotcha all right so just uh, step back just a hair so you got your gun i got you you've got your gun and you want to work up this I've, i know it as working up a load right mm -hmm. we got to mm -hmm. work up a load for the gun where do you start there um, so my, my, um, tactic or template has changed over the years because I've chased my tail a lot. And what you're trying to do is get the most accurate round, uh, that you can build without shooting a thousand rounds through your gun to find it. Right. So, I mean, you okay. need to figure out how to narrow down, uh, things quickly. 
And there's some kind of standard things that I do that some people might, you know, do something completely different. Sure. And this isn't something that everybody that reloads is going to end up doing. Um, but throughout the the course of this journey, this is just things that I ended up doing, and and they seem to work, so I'm, I consistently do it. But um, the first thing I do is I, I, I shoot a, I do a ladder test, which is basically I'm I'm loading uh, in in a lot of cases. Point two, so you find your max charge and your minimum charge. And that is a max charge is you can't go anymore or else you're gonna split the casing? A max charge is the manufacturer does not recommend, recommend that you go going. further. Okay. Um, I have, we'll leave that alone. Yes. I they have. Don't, they don't recommend next that you question. go any further. <laughs> next question. Um, so I'll, you, you'll take the minimum load, or most of the time I don't take the minimum load because you can look at known velocities in a reloading book, for instance. Gotcha. And you see like, okay, this is really slow down right. here. I'm not trying to shoot, you know, several hundred feet per second slower than I potentially could. Yeah. So if you're not having trouble up there, you know, in the middle of the pack towards the upper end of the pack, I normally start there. Okay. Um, and then I'll load one round, um, starting at you know let's say let's say seventy four grains, um, or or something like that, depending okay. on the caliber. A certain load, whatever it is. Certain yeah. load, yeah, seventy four grains. I'll, I'll load one round at seventy four, one round at seventy four point two, one round at seventy four point four, and then I'll just go up in point two grain increments. But just one shell. One shell, yep, because I'm not actually looking for group size nearly as much as I'm looking for velocity consistency. So what I want is I want to shoot, have it increase in velocity, shoot, have it increase in velocity, shoot, have it not increase in velocity, or at least not as much, several times in a row before it increases in velocity again. And what you end up with is a flat spot in the powder charge. It's called a, it's called a node. I don't know what node stands for. I could probably Sounds I awesome. probably should know what a node stands for, but I told you I'm not the guy. I'm I'll just look it a up. guy. I'll look it up. Yeah. Somebody look up node. I don't So okay, so you're just going up 0.2 grains pretty much yeah, every some single. Some people go half grain, some people some people go wild and they just go a full grain, which I don't think he that's probably a little inconclusive at that point. But hard to see exactly where that right, flat because you want to see those data points where it didn't increase in velocity very much or it stayed the same over the course of several charges. So what that does is you can load in the middle of that charge and you know your velocity is not going to be you know, it's not going to spike easily due to temperature or pressure, and it's not going to fall easily due to temperature or pressure or anything. Basically, it gives you a safety zone. And where are you shooting at for like this? What's a? Uh, it, I'm just shooting across to chronograph. So you're just you're just chron you're just using chronograph on yep. that. So so you kind of collect two data points here. You you get the velocity, and this is. This is just how I do it. I should probably read more what the, the, the world's doing, what the correct way is, because I'm sure it's out there a thousand times, and it's all different. But this is good. No, go ahead. So, so what I do, I collect that data from the velocity, and then I'm shooting at the same point of impact. Um, I'm not changing point of impact with my crosshairs the whole time. I'm shooting at a bullseye. Are, are and, you shooting 100? Yep, just 100 yards. Okay. And okay. typically, and a lot of people do this at two or 300 yards too, because it'll actually- You can really actually magnify it. Right, which is what yeah. I should probably do, and I probably will end up doing that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll show you the gaps in between rounds, basically, as the velocity increases. And it'll throw a wild one sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. you'll end up with a flyer or something like that. But you'll also, a lot of the time, where that flat spot is in the in the velocity, you'll be able to see a group of bullets. And if you can you know, have a, a phone scope going or something like that, or have a piece of paper next to you, which is what I do a lot, and you just have a picture of the target, and you just mark down each bullet as it hits the target, uh, you'll end up, a lot of times, where you find that node, you'll find a cluster of rounds that are actually you know, really close together. Interesting. Even though they're different powder charges. So, okay, so how many are we talking that you do? Like uh, how many times are you shooting? I'll, I'll, I'll throw on this ladder scale. 13, 15 rounds at it, depending on where I start in the in the powder charge. Like okay. if I'm starting at the top end of the powder charge because it's a, a known caliber and bullet combination that I'm used to. Right. You know, I might I might throw you know 10 at it or less. Um, but again, just 0.2 grain increments. Um, so that's that's kind of the the round count. But if I have no idea, brand new caliber, um, I'm not real worried about it shooting slow or fast, I'm just trying to find a node. Okay. And oftentimes you'll end up with multiple nodes. You'll end up with a, a flat spot near the bottom, a flat spot in the middle, and a, a flat spot in the top, top as far as your velocities go, you know, where it hasn't increased a whole lot. And then you can pick 
one of those. Kind of what you're looking for for right. Typically, for coefficient. yeah. Typically, if you're not getting uh, pressure signs or anything like that on your brass, you're not getting any wear marks, gotcha. any any uh, ejector marks or anything like that. Um, you'll probably end up going with a faster velocity, just because that makes it easier to hit things. You know, less margin for error. Okay. okay. So just like, kind of like a bow. Yeah. The faster the yeah. bow is, the the easier it is to to hit to you know have that yardage be off just a little Correct. bit. Correct. Correct. Same kind of thing. So typically you'll end up going with the upper uh, of them, and if that doesn't work out, then Makes you'll start sense. exploring your options kind of down below that. But so that's the first step for me is first is, step ladder test. Well, I guess first step would be would be ladder test, and sometimes that's with multiple powders. You know, so that was another question. Do you like have a powder that you love that you just consistently have, or do you have multiple powders that, okay, what I'm getting at here, I guess, is like, do certain, do certain guns just only want to take one thing? Uh, certain guns are known for certain powders or a group of powders. And we're yes. talking the barrels, right? Uh, caliber. 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 Yeah. So like a, a 308 or a 6.5 Creedmoor, or a 28 Nas, or a 300 Win Mag, like those specific uh, cartridges, not caliber, cartridges, absolutely have powders that they favor, for sure. Okay. And it's based off of burn rate, mostly. Okay, so explain like, that a little bit. This is kind of interesting. Let's see how much you know about this, not that much. So. Well, it, what's <clears throat> interesting to me is explain how a longer barrel Okay. Okay. Can you get you more velocity? Kind of explain that. Uh, you, you, the, the projectile, from what I know, and I'm not an expert on this either, uh, the bullet is in the barrel longer. Yeah. You know, it's just like a longer blow dart gun. You know, you're, you have all that pressure behind that projectile for a longer period of time. It's affecting it longer. And the powder is still burning. It's still burning. Yeah. Yes. So these big heavy calibers... Uh, or cartridges like a 300 Ultra Mag, or you know, a lot of there's there's a million of them. The T Rexes, the Terminators, all these. Um, if you have too short of a barrel, you're still burning powder, but the projectile has already left the barrel, so the efficiency's not there. Like you're just you're just throwing powder you're down just, a barrel at that point. You're just wasting the grains. Yeah. So um, finding a, the right burn rate, uh, typically the bigger magnums like a slower burn rate. So like my my 300 uh, rum. Remington Ultra Mag. Yep. It likes things like Rotumbo or uh, N570 or 8133, and those are all slow on the burn rate chart. Those okay. are for magnums. Okay. And then like that scales back into you know 43 H1000, and then all the way down into 4350, and it just keeps going down the burn rate. And as you go smaller in caliber, uh, oftentimes you know you'll climb down that burn rate chart. And there's tons and tons and tons of information. Uh, lots of low data and things like that on the internet and elsewhere. How many different kinds of powder are there? Seven, eight billion, thirty—I don't know. Fourteen trillion. Yeah. Is there is there boatloads? I yeah. There's a lot. There's is there th a few that you just stick with? Yeah, is absolutely, there? absolutely. Okay. The, the the main powder companies, because mm -hmm. I mean each there uh, there's there will be a, a company that has a whole catalog of powders that fit that spectrum. You know, they'll have their they're um, heavy for caliber, slow burn rate, magnum powders. They'll have their uh, medium-sized cartridge. Oh, I see what you're saying. So they'll have the whole gamut. They're classifications. Of, yes, gotcha. yes. They'll have their gotcha. whole gamut of, of powder. So uh, Vitivori, IMR, Hodgkin is probably the, the most often used uh, in and around my area. The really? Hodge, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, H1000, Rotumbo, things like that. Yep. Um, I've actually heard you. I've heard that before. Yes. People whisper those. I mean, I'm in the... Pe I people whisper those on the streets. Yeah. H1000. And the people come flocking with... Easy to get. Uh, super easy super to get. Easy. Yeah, don't it's worry about ready. it. I think it's at 7-Eleven most Buy days. Buy a gun it? immediately that runs Rotumbo, H1000, or N570. You'll be, you'll be very happy. That very you happy that with yourself. <laughs> no, well, hard, hard to find right now. Yeah. No, that's... I got some more rapid-fire questions as we get on the latter end of this, but... Um, so, okay, so we're working up a powder. You mm -hmm. Okay, you found your ladder test. You found uh, what, what the gun likes as far as for grains-wise, right? Mm -hmm. And you've already picked your bullet. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're good there. Now, what are you going to do? Um, I'm probably going to shoot for groups. So I, I, I know that I'm going to load in the middle of that node. So say it's, uh, you know, half a grain wide or something like that. It's from the time I shot to the time that it actually changed velocity. There's two or three you know, uh, progressions in powder in there. So I'm gonna go back to the middle of that progression. So if I say I, the beginning of the node was 74 grains, mm -hmm. and the end of the node was 74.6 grains, right? And I okay. loaded in 0.2s, okay. I'm gonna load at 74.4. 
And that's just, this is just an example, but I'm gonna go to the middle of that flat spot basically. So I have room above and room below, and that's gonna give me a little bit of a safety net okay. from, from, from what I've experienced and what I understand. Um, I'm now gonna take that, I'm gonna load probably five rounds, and I'm gonna shoot, uh, I'm probably going to, as far as seating depth, because you gotta push the bullet in the cartridge, uh, there's a lot of information online how, what, what the overall length uh, for certain rifles specifically because yep. some of them are throated differently and things like that a lot of that's going to be trial and error so that's kind of the next step for me is i'm going to load that powder charge i'm going to shoot five of them across to chronograph and group at the same time and get my extreme spread and sd so i'm going to i'm going to make sure that 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 powder charge is consistent you know it's not varying you know, super high and super low. Gotcha. I'm gonna make sure that it's a very consistent powder charge. If not, then I'm gonna go back and redo that process until I make sure that it is a consistent powder charge. So tell me, like, are you bringing your reloading stuff out in the field with you mm. at this test site or whatnot, wherever you're shooting no. this 100 yards? Are you running back home um, and doing this step after step after step? I'm oftentimes loading at like five in the morning and then bombing from my shop to the range at lunchtime and then bombing back to my shop and then loading at night and then shooting again the next morning and it's just, it's cyclical. It, it's, yeah. it's a, but it's an addiction too. Like it's, oh, it, it gets, it's, it's tedious and you don't want to do it. And then you start doing it and you're like, yeah, I got to go to the dang range again. But secretly inside you're like, man, I hope the groups are really good this time. Yeah, I'm feeling I hope I get like a, a, you know, a single digit SD or like a, I had a, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, no, that yeah. sounds really good. Very, see, that that's all it needs good. to do. All it needs to do is sound good. That's it. Single digit but SD. Once you have your, your powder charge and you're consistent and your, your velocity is great, it doesn't change. It doesn't go high or low. You know, there's not like a 30 or 50 foot per second swing or something like that. Once you have that, now I go seating depth. So I started out at bullet um, seating. Bullet seating depth. Okay, yeah. so we've got our charge. We've mm -hmm. got we've got our grains of powder. Yep. We've picked the one that we want. Right. Now we go, how deep do we put that bullet into that casing? Exactly. And basically what you're changing is the relationship from the ogive of the bullet. I call it ogive. There's it sounds incredible. some more controversy there. Anyway, so uh, to, to uh, the relationship from that, which is uh, uh, basically a datum point on the bullet itself uh, where it tapers. Okay. From that point to the lands or the rifling of the barrel. Oh, I got you. So okay. that's what you're changing, that relationship. Some like it closer to the rifling, some like it touching the rifling, some like it, you know, 60, 80 thousands off the rifling. So you're trying to find, and, and what's changing is group size. Basically, you're going from, you know, X amount of. So uh, how many seats are you gonna have here? You're gonna have three bullet groups? Uh, I seated different? I normally run in fives. Uh, run by in fives. the time you get to this point, oftentimes you're, you're shooting pretty well. It's pretty consistent. I could see that. And I wanna get the most data possible. Yeah. Um, if you're having trouble finding components or if you're spending a lot of money doing this like me and you're going broke, um, <clears throat> three, three round groups are probably better. Three round groups but, are great. Uh, yeah, your pride doesn't quite, it just doesn't check that box. No, it's like it doesn't. a, no, it a doesn't. five round, you know, less than half minute group just feels so much better and you just feel like so much more of a man you than do. a three. So it's basically all pride at that point. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that's just being transparent. Um, but yeah. So shoot for groups and uh, adjusting the seating depth uh, and just write everything down. Every single thing you do, write down and don't change more than one thing at a time because you won't know what affected it. You know, so whatever you're doing, reloading, that's my, that's my biggest um, advice. Ugh. Whatever you do, write it down so you know what the heck you did and you can replicate it that because way you can consistency is accuracy. Okay. And if you're not consistent, nothing you do matters. I mean, you get a really, really nifty looking group and then Guess if you what? can't replicate it, it's it for not. It doesn't mean anything at all. So, write it down. Stay safe. Don't don't overcharge, you know, cases because you want more velocity. Don't be crazy. Make smart choices. But, um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Write it down. There's there's tons and tons of nuance and in neck turning and neck tension of the bullet, how hard it grips and there's, there's. So yeah, I've, I heard you guys talking at Portland right. about that, like you know, like uh, the edge retention of the. Mm -hmm. scaling down and shaving shaving brass yeah. off the neck of the i, I was that's, like whoa and, and a lot of that stuff um like once you get a rifle that shoots and i mean you don't need a gun to shoot a quarter minute to go out and and hunt with it that's not that's right. that's 
that's bench rest competition stuff. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. If you, and I'm not going to say what the group size is. That's, that's, that is necessary at yes, all. Yes, that's but, cool. Um, I would feel absolutely comfortable. In, and again, this is something I do that's a hobby and it's fun. So I don't ever leave it this way. But if I had a gun that shot one minute, I wouldn't bat an eye at, at hunting with it. A minute sure. of angle, an inch, a one inch group at 100 yards, that's great. That's a good gun. That's great. I typically push it further than that just yeah. for fun. Yeah. You know, I want to be as consistent as possible and I want rounds on target you know, as, as much as possible. And, and I have the ability to do it. So that's what I go for, but, uh, don't pull your hair out and think that you can't, you know, make it work because you don't hand load or something like that. I mean, if you got a gun, you know, that shoots well and, uh, you go big, biggest thing is dope data on previous engagement, go out, know what it does, know how it does it and have some data, have, have shot that far before. You know, don't, you don't want to mm. be be poking holes in animals further than you've ever shot a target. That's it's, ridiculous. You know, pretty good advice. It's not going to work out. Yeah, and even if it does work out, that's false confidence. That's just that's just that one time. Yeah, that's a one time. The stars align. Just realize that. So, so yeah. Uh, so let's get back to all right. So we got our bullets seated. We mm -hmm. found that out. We're we've got our powder. We've got uh, we've got our grains that we're going to put into this thing and everything. At what point do you quit? At what point do you stop tweaking? Uh, you, man, that's a that's a personal. Thing. You see what I mean? As, as far is. as like, is there a is there a stop for you? I mean, for me, you, you you get it to a half minute gun. Let's there's say a, there's a couple variables. A half minute gun's great. And that's, so for people that awesome. are listening that don't like know a half minute, which I didn't have for a clue, I have a clue for a long time. Uh, minute of angle is an inch mm -hmm. at a hundred yards. Right. Exactly. And right, I mean, right, right there, close. And so, a half minute gun is he's saying he's shooting a five group shot, a five group um, uh, shot mm -hmm. at for five shit for five bullets, and they're all within a half inch of each other. Yeah, and and basically, you measure the whole group, right? You know, edge to edge, edge and then, to outside, and, and then you subtract the diameter of your bullet. Gotcha. And that gives you your your group size. Your MOA. Your MOA. Yeah, what you're, what you're shooting, basically. Nailed it. Uh, for me, uh, it really depends. I've had lots of guns that shot in and around a minute, uh, most of the time sub, and I've hunted with them and they've done just fine. Absolutely. Um, if you're working up a load in the off season, you got not a whole lot going on and you're not hurting for components or time. It's not some big magnum that you're just burning the heck out of the barrel and reducing its life. Um, tweak on as much as you want, you know, get it to shoot as good as you can and yeah. just don't lose your mind in the process. Cause that's easy. Super, super easy to do. It's crazy, uh, man. Like Trevor bought two guns, same exact guns, mm -hmm. same. And I won't mention them because it doesn't have a, it's not the point right. as far as that goes. One shot lights out half minute gun out of the box. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. And the next one shot like a minute and a quarter mm -hmm. out of the box. And that was my next question that I had for you is like, uh, there was a lot of people that were telling me, cause I took them out, Trevor didn't have the time. I took them out and shot them both and everything. And the one gun, it was just lightning awesome. And we're talking factory ammo. We're not mm -hmm. talking any reloads or anything like that. And there's people telling me, keep shooting that other gun. The barrel will shoot into itself. I I don't know the science behind it other than fouling and copper fouling and filling in any voids or imperfection with basically bullet material. Um, okay. I don't, I don't know the real science, but I will absolutely say I have had brand new guns and brand new barrels shoot very mediocre initially. And the more I shot them, not, I mean, not, you know, I'm not talking thousands of rounds later, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. A, hundred, a couple hundred rounds later. Uh, groups absolutely tightened up so really yeah and there's there's like it's riddled with controversy here i can't no oh, sure sure so, yeah no yeah. everything so show me some of these emails you're gonna get after this oh way. no yeah we're canceled probably yeah. by now <laughs> yeah. i mean there's a good chance uh but everything from barrel break-in uh process and like uh and each manufacturer has their own you know exact barrel break-in process and i think a lot of that's like um you know their own secret sauce to success and it's whatever makes you uh, I feel like your gun's shooting the best. I talked to a lot of guys that shoot. Um, I have I have the privilege again of knowing a lot of um, guys that shoot. I mean, this is what they do. Uh, yeah, military and otherwise. Uh, really a lot good. Of, a lot of guys in competition and stuff like that. And 
I'm I'm just a guy, not the guy. So I ask lots of questions. That's where uh, I keep I'm my at. mind open. I'm not I'm not drawing any hard lines in the sand at all. Uh, if something works and it's measurable, let's go. Yeah. And if I've found no difference, then then you know that's something I feel like I don't need to waste my time on. Yeah. And uh, a lot of these guys, they say they don't they don't do any barrel break in at all. They just shoot them. They just shoot them and it works. And then there's guys that, you know, they go through the whole gamut of fire one, clean one, fire one, clean one. And some guys will say that's directly related to barrels speeding up or not. Did you break in the gun? What was the break in process? Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I've done with Trevor before. We worked up, you know, three or four different loads and then it's shoot the gun three times, clean the barrel, clean the whole thing, shoot the second, you know, and we were just looking for groups and then we kind of go, okay, this one's the best ish groups, you know, and then, okay, that's where we need to start defining and start to kind of narrow it down from there. Absolutely. Well, it's so easy to get lost in it. I mean, once you realize how much information there really is and how many individual variables you're trying to control. Yeah. Um, man, I, I've just, and that's why I say you got to take notes. You got to write down what you're doing. Cause you just get lost in it. Like oh. what, what did I, where am I at? It's not shooting good. I've tried many different things, but you gotta have some sort of a scientific process to it. Cause you'll just pull your hair out and you'll, I've actually shot barrels out, um, trying to get them to shoot better. I just burn in rounds through this thing because it was never going to. It was Maybe. never going. Yeah, well, or my process was off. I'm trying or things that didn't something. matter, that weren't significant, and I'm just throwing rounds down the barrel like crazy. Uh, so that's kind of where I have the process I have now where, you know, shoot for a node, try to find consistent velocity. Don't stress about group size yet. Once you find that, start messing with seating depth. Um, I, I run a consistent, uh, like, thou and a half of neck tension, which just means uh, the, the neck uh, of the, the brass of the itself is a thousandth and a half smaller than the diameter of the bullet going into it. So that's how much grip it has on. I don't really mess with that unless I'm really trying to fine tune something. Is that kind of a... That's pretty standard. Pretty, yeah. okay. It's pretty okay. standard. Okay. It's not like I'm okay. on the wild end of the spectrum or anything. Just, well, pretty, I do something special. I just yeah, it's my own. Thousand can you half. edit that out? I don't want folks to know. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. No, no I, I see. I, I, I have uh, the opportunity often to be around lots and lots and lots of custom guns, really high-end builds, um, people that are shooting, you know, really good stuff. And then I also load for, you know, factory Walmart guns and things like that, and, you know, which is I've hunted with a lot, you know, and, and uh, there are differences for sure. But if you just have a gun and you want it to shoot better, Oftentimes, just taking a little bit of control over what's coming out the end of the barrel, uh, you can rein that in. But this is this is probably going to be a you know a little section of what should probably be a ten day podcast, and we still wouldn't cover everything. Totally, but, um, no. If your um, gun, I'll just I'll just say this: if your gun isn't, uh, if everything's not torqued to, if if you have issues with your gun, be it. Um, you know, muzzle brake, anything to do with the optics, the rail, the rings, the action screws, anything, any issue with the gun, those need to be resolved before you build a load. Before you start twicking with the... I just had this happen, two different guns for my uh, friends, 300 Win Mags. Um, they're semi-custom rifles, pre-fit barrels, everything pointed to the fact that these guns should shoot awesome, and they were not. And I went through the ringer trying to figure out what was going on before I built loads for him, trying to figure oh, you out did. That's good. what in the world was going on. And uh, it was the weirdest thing with both guns. It was a uh, the rail that mounts to the top of the action. The Picatinny? Yep. Yep. Being out of spec. Not loose, just not shaped right. So even though high-end rings, high-end scope, everything torqued to spec, there was enough movement to throw <laughs> wild flyers. And I couldn't tell because there wasn't enough wear underneath those scope rings to actually see any movement. And I finally, my my neighbor again, oh. Tierney Arms, will do it. He's 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 uh, awesome. He, yeah, he's awesome. He does uh, all the milling and everything for all our stuff. He's he's awesome. Good friend of mine too. Um, he said, "Hey, did you notice this?" And in just the right light, you could see sort of like a uh, the the rails like matte finish. Yeah. And it was sort of just not matte finish in a section. And he said, "You know, I wonder." I wonder if this rail's out of spec. And I thought back two years ago, we had the same problem with a similar rifle. So we swapped out the rail, retorqued everything. And and this is after already torquing it. This is oh. after like, that box is checked. 
I have checked everything optics and everything how many related. how many dollars worth of rounds oh put lots it? of dollars worth lots. of rounds at this point I'm feeling like a total idiot I don't know what I'm doing wrong I'm about to pull out my hair and like I'm, I'm thinking about giving up like I don't know what to do I'm I'm all my pride is gone I'm now asking for help please yeah <laughs> yeah and he says that and like I said I'm not I'm, I'm not the guy, I'm just a guy. I'm yeah. totally wide open. Hey, if you know what the problem is, I'm not too prideful, let's go. So uh, popped that rail off, threw a different one on, torqued it back on, and it shot three quarters of a minute. And I was like, well, shoot, good. So from that point, mess with uh, velocity, found a node, uh, mess with seating depth a little bit and got it shooting really, really well, and then gave the rifle back. And said, here, don't don't even don't even come to me ever again. Yeah, here's, ever again. Here's your load. Build it like this. <laughs> yeah, build it like that, and please don't talk to me. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. This is the, we just got some questions. I just you know take it where you will. Mm -hmm. um, totally up to you. But um, and I, there's a thousand different answers I'm sure for this. So just give what you would recommend. Okay. Oof. All right. So I want to get into reloading. What's that going to cost me? Right off the bat. And how deep should I dive? How, you know, to, to, to wet my beak with the reloading community. Because I think you could go thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, what should I do? You could, you, could, you could literally buy the moon easier. Yeah. And you could buy all the reloading equipment. Um, Correct. You're going to need a press. Okay. Uh, everything reloading uh, involves a press. I mean, from depriming, priming. Uh, sizing because you're resizing the brass. Yep. Um, seating bullets, everything. It's it's all on a press. You need a press. Um, I actually use. It's not an inexpensive. I would I would say for today's standards, it is probably inexpensive. It's just a, a RCBS rock chucker. Yep. Um, I used to love have it. One. Works fine. There's been a billion different you know variants. Uh, I had like a junior or something like that before from like the 70s. I borrowed from a buddy. Worked great. Um, I don't see any. For somebody just getting into it, I don't see any benefit in going and spending, you know, two thousand dollars on a zero press or something like that. I don't think it's going to benefit uh, gotcha. the the entry level guy. Um, you need that. You're going to need some sort of a scale or powder thrower. Okay. Um, I use what's called a, a charge master. And is that that's just trickling the powder into yeah, the casing it's an electronic, to get the same it, it trickles it into a little tray you tell it how much you want in there yep uh we'll go back to 74 because that one's just stuck in my head right now okay uh, we'll run 74 grains of powder you'll dial it in push the little button and it'll kick out 74 grains of powder and uh it's it's pretty accurate but there's a lot that are way more accurate i mean there's the uh oh, i always forget the name of this thing off the top of my head uh the auto trickler setup which mm -hmm. is what a lot of the people are running right now like bench rest guys and stuff gotcha. like that they're running you know, they're accurate to with like within a hundredth of a grain or something ridiculous. Crazy. And uh, I haven't noticed in these big magnums, especially, I haven't noticed. Um, I, I feel like I personally can't shoot the difference, if that makes any sense. Like, gotcha. I my my human error. The, yeah. I, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I run that Charge Master. There's a lot of um, manual powder throwers that you can get. Okay. Where you just run this little lever. You screw down a little screw until it's about right, and then you set it on a scale, and then you have what's called a, a manual trickler. Trickler. Where, yep, trickler. Yeah. You just run it with your fingers, and then uh, either you have like a sliding beam scale or electronic scale. Uh, either one works. Again, the level of precision you're looking for uh, often directly correlates to the cost, not so much in a press, uh, but in gotcha. some of these things, if you're looking for, you know, I want to cut one of these granules with a razor blade and set it in with a pair of tweezers, uh, probably don't go this route. Probably go, you know, the high-end uh, auto trickler route or something like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Um, but for the beginner, totally fine. Either one of those. Uh, I think a Charge Master. I think it's probably there's a couple new models now, so they're probably in and around 250 bucks or something okay. like that. I haven't checked in a long time. Uh, RCBS um, press probably around maybe 200 bucks. You can get a cheaper version of it, I'm sure. Okay. So um, we're at 400. Yep. And then you're going to need dyes for your stuff. You're going to need... Your, okay, if, for every caliber. This is, this is assuming you have uh, powder and bullets and, and stuff like that, because that all changes depending on what specific gotcha. one you want. You have the brass already. This is just the reloading components and stuff. Yep, yep. Um, yeah. So you're going to need dyes. You're going to need to be able to... Each dye is what? Uh, I would say that maybe 50 bucks or so for like kind of your standard. You probably end up with a, a, a sizing die and a seating die. 
kind of like the lower end of the spectrum. Okay. A lot of the stuff I run is like right around that $100 mark per die. Okay. Um, but that's because they have like micrometers on top of them. You can adjust seating depth, you know, within a, a thousandth and uh, you can actually see the number change on top. It's got an actual dial. Oh, cool. Versus the other type, you're, you're just screwing down a, a collet a little bit further, gotcha. seating it and then checking it. So, so we're gonna, at 500 bucks right now. Yeah. <laughs> or, I mean, shoot, yeah. we got this, yeah, right? Man. Well, and there's probably, I mean, if you hop on eBay or something like that, you can get a lot of this stuff cheaper. Um, my Charge Master, I bought brand new, but there's tons of this stuff. It, it's constantly changing, which yeah, is good I would for the guy getting into it. Yeah. Because last year's model is always cheaper. Barrier to entry is just a little bit, not quite yeah. so steep. There's always the guy that needs that brand new one, which is great for the guy who doesn't care. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he gets to buy it cheaper. So um, you're not going to wear out uh, a press. I, I mean, if you do, you're the man. I mean, you're you really are, you're, you're doing some, you're some shooting. Some. Yeah, you're loading for a machine gun or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you get a get a uh, press secondhand, um, a set of dies. You probably you probably won't wear out a set of dies, but sometimes people can mess stuff up. They can mess the little stem up that, yep. that uh, decaps and stuff like that. So I probably recommend just buying a new set of dies. Um, and you're going to need some measuring tools. Uh, you're going to need to either a lot of people first getting into it will measure the cartridge overall length. So from the base of the cartridge to the tip of the cartridge. And there's a SAMI spec for that in the book. It says this is how you know, long the, the bullet should be. So you can load for that for the specific caliber, um, or you can measure the cartridge base to ogive, but you're gonna need a, a comparator tool for that. And this is now getting into like more precision reloading. Okay. So uh, for this, the guy that's just not wanting to buy them from the store, just wants a little bit more control, um, you're not gonna be as accurate because the tip of each bullet um, can be sl little slightly, slightly different. different, right? Especially when you're. But once you set up the kids die, drop them on the ground. Right, yeah, that's always times. fun. That's always fun. But but once you set up your die, uh, you're dialed. It's it's consistent. You know you can run it. I like to check each round, but I think that might be OCD or something. But uh, you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's but bad. that's that's kind of the rabbit hole you go down. I it mean, is. honestly, I think that's that's the norm. It, it's mm -hmm. those people that do that. That's what you're doing, right? I mean, well, that's kind of what is. it's for. In in. To, to relate it to bow hunting, every every arrow I've put through a bull or a bear, I made. Yeah. And there's a certain there's a certain ownership of that. That's, and I have every one of them uh, sitting in a specific rack in my studio uh, with the with the the year, what it was, everything on it. You know. Uh, there's a lot of ownership in it too. So like when you when you kill a, a bear or something with that round that you made and you put all those man hours into developing this load and you're in every time you're shooting that gun, your your fundamentals are getting better. You're practicing, you're you know, it's it's just human making, error. Yeah, it's it's yeah. narrowing the human error, narrowing the margin for error in, inside the load. Um, you're just getting better. It's only making it better. So uh, same thing, every time I kill a bear with a rifle, I pop that piece of brass out, I write the date on it and what it was, and I, I have a little drawer full of them. I mean, it's just really? it's just a little bit of ownership. It's a little bit of uh, independence from having to have cool. somebody do it for you. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's just. I think it's awesome. I, I think it's, uh, it's just a different world as far as like, you can go out and shoot and shoot and shoot, you know, mm -hmm. and call yourself a decent shot and then shoot against these guys. Like I shot competition last year and I'm not calling myself a decent shot by any means, but it was just interesting. I got invited to a competition and it was like, okay, yeah, now I see, yeah. now I, I see what goes into this thing and it is unbelievable Absolutely. as far as the, how people are just so devoted to this and, and taking the time and doing it just like blows me away, blows me away. Well, it may sound like I know what the heck I'm doing, but I feel like a little fish in a big pond talking to the guys I know. I mean, this is this is me struggling to catch up, drinking through a, a fire hose, trying right. to gain all this knowledge right. and, and you know practically applicate it to what I'm doing. It, it, there is so much nuance in it, and uh, you can go as deep down the rabbit hole as you want. But also, I mean. Don't don't take my word for it. I mean, there's a lot of lot of information out there. Every reloading book has a max powder charge and things like that. And so that's another thing I was gonna say. Like, 
all the when you buy your reloading all that um all that stuff it comes with a book that, yep. that tells you hey it's in between here and here right yeah i mean if you want to start uh you know venturing off on your own and doing something super special wildcats that's uh, what we need to do yeah wildcat, wildcats. Few rounds. Uh, i would say maybe start with doing it the normal way okay, okay. and then uh, maybe baby steps into something else and you're you know there's lots of information as to what overpressure looks like uh and things like that always keep your powder separate uh, always keep it in the container it came in. You don't want to mix it up. You're not trying to push some crazy fast powder through. I mean, it's a good 74 call. grains of, you know, Varget is not the same as 74 grains of H1000. I mean, you're blowing stuff up if you're not paying attention. So uh, really make sure you know what you're yeah, putting in you, there. Use caution, be responsible for sure. Because your face is right by that. Yeah, you're, it's only right next to your face right where your, your brain face. is hidden behind. And so. that's the money maker, really. Exactly. I mean, my, really personally, is. that's the only reason people listen to me is because my face. Um, so. We didn't even talk about annealing or anything like that or mandrels. Oh, we, we can I, go forever. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't even know what those are. But so, we, you know, yeah, basically all, all of that stuff is controlling consistency. You're controlling yeah. the, the metallurgy of the brass. So it's got a certain amount of elasticity and just like a samurai sword, you know how they build it, they fold it over and fold it over and fold it over and they hammer it. And the more times they fold it, the harder it gets, right? Sure. Well, the more times you, you expand and then size back down your brass, it gets what's called case hardened. And what happens is you can anneal it with extreme heat and a specific extreme heat, not just like random. I stuff I'll these. I use a lighter. I shove these in a volcano, plan. and now we're dialed. Yeah, no specific. And I use a one that's uh, all automated, so it figures it out for itself. But there's lots of ways to do that. But anyway, what you're controlling is the elasticity of the um, brass itself. Because brass goes bad after a while. Yeah, you can you can case harden it, and it will crack, and it will go bad. And that's even right. if you anneal it, it still has a life expectancy. But you extend it greatly along with its. Uh, elasticity consistency. I, I love suppose. that. Oh, I love say. that. I feel like I should be wearing like thick glasses with a pocket protector. I right know. You need a trench coat or some <laughs> lab coat of some sort. I'm learning all this as I'm saying it. I don't know what I'm talking about. It so. sounds incredible. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so yeah, I was. Le I learned that when I was shooting with those guys. They're like, no, I will shoot probably around probably four times or six times. You know, depending on the brass, because every brass is different. They mm -hmm. talk about Lapua brass. They talk about all these different brasses, and I'm like, whoa, okay. Mm -hmm. And um, all that is—it's a thing. It, oh, it yeah. is—it's definitely a thing. And and um, that's where it goes back to what you were saying at first. And I think it's a really good thing to uh, you know touch on is write it down. Mm -hmm. Every single piece of brass you can you can tell that's in this whatever you're carrying it in. Mm -hmm. These are all from the same thing. These are all yep. been shot this many times. This is yep. all you know. And if you can keep it keep all together, that documentation. If you can keep them all throughout their same lifespan, I found that to be really helpful. So when you prep brass, if you can prep the whole lot of brass and mm -hmm. then load the whole lot of brass and don't load some of these other ones again, just go all the way through the whole lot of brass prep them, uh, size them, trim them if they're too long, the book's got a spec for how long they're supposed to be, and then start back over on that same lot, then you don't have some pieces of brass that were shot three times, Mixed some in. shot five times, right. So it's all controlling consistency. Gotcha, so you, even if you go a couple years with shooting the same bullets or the same shells that you have, mm -hmm loaded up, you'll stick with that and yep. you'll replace those spent ones behind yep, exactly. and you'll just stay with that. You won't be trying different stuff. I typically won't even knock the stuff. primers out of them. I'll just leave them as shot shells in that same batch until I work my way all the way through that batch. What do you usually do um, after you work up a load, get it all dialed and everything, you figured out what you want? Mm -hmm. How many do you generally load? A hundred? To work with as far um, like as depending on what you're doing. I like to shoot it so it really varies. Like uh, I, I'll load 50 pretty often. So like okay. the beginning of a 50. bear season, something like that. Um, I kind of quit shooting during bear season primarily because I'm bear hunting. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm out in the woods, I'm chasing. Lots of people have tags and whoever's got a tag, typically we're taking a bear hunting. It's just how it is. You That's know, where it goes. Love it. Um, whether it's uh, kids or friends or friends' wives or, or whatever, you know. So even though I don't have a tag, I'm still not at the range shooting, you know, we're still typically chasing bears around. This year's been a little slow because my house is uh, getting worked on right now, so we're, we're oh, a little, gotcha. little scattered compared to normal, but uh, typically we're out as, as much as possible. But yeah, I'll load like 50 rounds for bear season. Okay. And uh, normally shoot 
one of those <laughs> at a bear. At a bear. But everybody else is using the same rifle. A lot of people are using the same gun, you know. So I mean, we're we're all going out as a unit, and whoever's got the tags behind the gun, and everybody else is set up on the glass. So that is more of a community 50 rounds than uh, just me and, and my one bear tag 50 That's rounds. That's so, so fun, though, isn't it? Uh, the more consistent you can get a gun, and the more confidence you can have in that gun. Um, you're, you're not, you now don't have five guns throughout, you know, spread across five tags and you're with varying levels of uh, confidence, you know, you have a gun that everybody shot, everybody knows shoots well, everybody's got the data, you know, it's been vetted. And uh, so that's really nice to, to go out with one rifle that you know works <laughs> versus- 100%. Yeah, you've probably run into this before uh, where, you know, you have just unknowns you know, in, in somebody else's gun or, or platform. There's nothing worse than going out and just like looking at that gun and being like, will it, will is it today the day? <laughs> will it, will <laughs> it work? Will it work? You yes. know, it's like, Does you it need to have confidence. You need to have lots of rounds downrange. Right. With, and, and it goes back to what you were saying, you know, when we started the podcast, as far as like, it's all about consistency. It's mm -hmm. all about confidence. And, and that's why you, that's why a lot of people take up the reloading thing is because it's just another thing in the, in the book of tricks that you have mm -hmm. to throw at it. Right. It's not a wing and a prayer. Right. right. And it's also something that you'll, you'll probably, well, I mean, maybe some people feel like a pro, but the more I load, the more I learn, um, the more I write down, the more I realize there is to learn, Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and uh, I'm still learning. I'm learning everything. I, I don't have, even my process, I think about it. I think, man, there's got to be a way to get to accuracy quicker than the way I do it. You know, yeah. there's got to be a way yeah, to, a good point. to less round count. And the round count was ridiculous when I first started. Cause I'm, I'm trying, I'm like, well, maybe it's seating depth. So I'm trying that first and I'm throwing, you know, a different seating depth and a different powder charge together. Like it just straight up, just, just throwing rounds into the wind. Back no. to the office. Oh yeah. Back to the table. Just real bad. So this is just my process. I mean, sure. uh, there's lots and lots of different ones out there. I'm not saying it's the best one, but this is what I do and okay. it's been working. So, um, hot loading. Should we do that? Hot lo loading too hot? Yeah. Hot okay. loading. Okay. Is that a real thing? Uh, are we, are, what are we talking about here to find? Well, I just Maybe have I it on my know. list of questions. Hot loading. Are we talking about loading around with too much powder? Possibly. Okay. In that case, that's a, that's bad. That's bad. Don't do that. That's on the, even, uh, even if it's the most consistent, amazing round ever, uh, first off could be slightly volatile, but you're, you're overworking your brass. You're, you're beating up your brass pretty good. And if you're, you're shooting, there's a, a little ejector plunger in like the back of like a, a Remington 700. Uh, if you take your piece of brass out and it's just got this giant ring from it pushing back into your bolt so hard that that brass uh, flowed into the ejector pocket. Not uh, good. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're riding the line. You're dealing with you're your dance, face on that one. Dancing with the devil there. <laughs> um, a lot of devil. people will take that risk because they want the velocity, um, which I understand the, the want for the velocity, but I don't personally have any loads worked up for myself uh, or any of the guns that we shoot that are in that danger zone. I mean, copy. it's one thing if you're shooting it yourself, but yeah. uh, if your buddy's shooting your rifle <sighs> and something goes wrong, it's just not worth it. It's just, just not worth it. And you have trouble bad. with it feeding. You have consistency issues and consistency is accuracy, right? Yep. So now, you know, uh, I can't get the, the bolt down or uh, bolt back open or something like that because it's, you know, too hot and it expanded and now it's stuck or just all sorts of issues. Uh, it's not worth the velocity in Don't my, go down that in my road. opinion. Um, you can load, uh, you can load to pressure. You can find pressure uh, if you're loading and you're within the realm of reason or, or uh, what you feel is reason. Again, not telling you to do anything. You do you. Um, but once you find pressure, in my opinion, don't exceed that point. I dial it back until you're not seeing pressure signs on your case anymore. Gotcha. So yeah, don't load hot. In Sage's, Sage's opinion. Don't so we're load, doing it. Don't, so. Don't, okay. so we're, so we're, so we're loading hot tonight. So. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I, I think this has been a it's, it, great kind of intro into a giant rabbit hole of yeah, where's the best place to go that you have went that's really been a, a really depth of knowledge for you? Um, man, so 
Because so I'm sure everybody on the internet's got an opinion. The, the exactly, exactly that. And then every reloader makes fun of all of the internet. Oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah. because uh, they think that there's so much misinformation out there, it's not worth looking. And honestly, I've learned a lot of what I know from the internet. And, and just take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. Ask people, you know, average things out. If somebody says, do this, do this, do this, and everybody else on the planet says don't, maybe don't take that as gospel. You know, I mean, maybe just, just vet every opinion, do your research. Yeah. Uh, I actually, there's a guy on YouTube that I really like. I think his name's Gavin. He's the ultimate reloader. And he's just a... a oh, really? Yeah. I watch him all the time. And he goes deep on a lot of stuff. But if you're looking for basic information, he's got that on there too. I mean, he's got his own lathe. He builds his own guns. Okay. He's got probably a CNC machine. I mean, the guy goes hard. Uh, but there's there's the whole gamut of information within his channel. Yeah. And there's lots of them like it. But this guy specifically, I haven't heard him say something that I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's misleading. You know, you've... Lots of people are gonna now get hurt or chase their tails or anything. But you also gotta realize he is into precision reloading. He wants things to shoot really, really well. Um, so, so search through the videos, you know, find, find what you're looking for. Don't just you know, settle on something and, and send it. If, you're looking, if you have a specific question, get that specific question answered, you know, rather than... It's a good point. Yeah, because there's a lot of information. I feel like we, you drink through the fire hose and you get all this other information and you don't get your question answered, but you end up doing a thousand other things. Uh, that box isn't checked and you really haven't grown much. So, so no, this has been great. I really appreciate you um, coming over and actually doing this. We're headed on a bear hunt right now, guys, that you are going to be able to watch shortly yes. as well, hopefully. Yes. Well, you will. There'll be parts and pieces of it, I'm sure, that, um, that we're going to air. But... Um, yeah, I just wish, I, 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 what I've learned honestly is just, like you just said, take it in stages mm -hmm. and don't, you know, we're, we're not, I, I'm not, I've really kind of built my whole career on not being the professional at anything. I like to take a lot of people's different opinions and yeah. views on stuff and then make it into my own, whether it be on how I shoot or whether it be on how uh, I hunt or whether it be on a lot of different things in life. I think, you know, you take uh, opinions of a lot of different people mash them all together and take get the takeaways that you want from them and then make it into your own little whatever you, how i do it i guess and i think reloading is not a lot different no no it's not and and the more that you talk to people the less you stay isolated uh the probably better chance you have a success i mean when you're when you're just isolated you're not asking questions you think you know that's kind of what happened to me with those rails uh, being out of spec. I, I felt like I checked that box. I felt like, you know, I did everything right already. I don't need to talk to anybody about this. I mean, this is a stupid problem to be having. I can't get this gun to shoot. Um, but finally I was like, hey, listen, I don't know what the heck's going wrong. But if I would have just stayed isolated and tried to figure it out myself, you know, there. not humbled myself and asked somebody else, basically, uh, I'd probably still be there right now trying to figure it out. So uh, if you have questions. Be willing to learn. Yeah. And if you think you know the answer, that's the other thing I found out. If you think, oh, this happened to me the other day. Uh, I told I told my buddy, I'm like, for sure, it's not this. For sure. He's like, can't just, be. Just, just try it. I'm like, okay, but listen, it's not this, right? And he's like, okay, yeah. But could we try it? I'm like, yeah, whatever. Idiot, you know? Oh, yeah. Sure enough, he was right. 100% right. I was wrong. So I was like, well, shoot. So just be careful with your line in the sand opinions, you know, just just take it in stages and learn as you go. And, and have and the humbleness to admit that. Have a humbleness to admit it, yeah, yes. because... Uh, Unbelievable. Man, you can learn so much more if you're humble. It's, I mean, you're so much wrong. more. I'm still working on that. I am, <laughs> I am working on that. Well, thank you so much, Sage, for coming over. Yeah. And um, anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up and let's go do some bear hunting. Let's go. Is this your first time of the year? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I went out Sunday and uh, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, this is going to be the first time with a weapon. Whew. So it should be a good time. We're going to go meet up with Steven. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this one. And uh, thanks for coming over, brother. Anytime, man.